I have come back from this time, uh, this time I've had, um, where I have been really held and welcomed and by a more than human world, by the living world, and I've received all kinds of gifts and intelligence and insight and care from all kinds of creatures and beings and energies and dare I say it, spirits. I have experienced, again, what I have always known, what I've always felt in my heart, in my body, of the intelligence of this world, this living world that we're part of and just how unbelievably restricted and shallow our sense of modern reality is and how limiting it is and how destructive it is to our souls. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with me, Dan Burgess. The story of Spaceship Earth is simple. We live on a life-giving rock called Earth, hurtling through space. Like a spaceship, we have a finite amount of supplies with an intelligent operating system called Nature, which keeps everything replenished as long as we all respect it and participate wisely. So a deep relationship with this mysterious system, along with spontaneous cooperation between humans and all life, is essential to keep us thriving and the spaceship flying. In this podcast, I'm in conversation with folk involved in regenerating life, shifting consciousness and reimagining how we can live more beautifully and peacefully. I talk with artists, writers, activists, designers, adventurers, healers, farmers, creative mavericks and more. Their stories invite us to participate in the co-creation of life-sustaining cultures. In service to life, becoming crew on Spaceship Earth. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast with my dad, Dan Burgess. Greetings, Earthling. This is Dan. Uh, Welcome to the Spaceship Earth podcast. Um, this is a a slightly different episode. Um, I am currently sitting in the woods uh, near my home. It's an ancient woodland that I love to come to often. Um, and this episode will um, will just be me. There are no guests. Um. I shall be rambling in the woods, metaphorically. Um, I'm actually sitting um, with my back um, against a birch tree and um, in amongst a lot of beech, actually, uh, and some ash. Um, When I started the podcast in 2018, um, I would often come to the woods and have a little cheeky rambling episode sort of spontaneous reflections from the woods and yeah so there's a few episodes back in the real early days um but that was something i was doing a bit more regularly um but i wanted to come to the woods today and record this 
um, as a way of sort of marking some endings of things. Um, and yeah, I've been exploring um, endings a lot um, in the last uh, year or so. Um, or how to pay attention is probably a better way of saying it. How to pay, how to pay attention to endings. Um, and I feel this episode really is a way for me to, yeah, mark the context that I find myself in, um, in coming towards the end of July, 2023. Um... I feel there's a sort of ending of this phase of the podcast this year, These the types of episodes I've been recording um, and how they've been emerging because ha- it has been a very emergent year. But I feel like there's a, there's a sort of ending of, of, um, of these episodes that I've been recording um, and I am attempting to, um, to create some stillness in August and some time with my family um, so I'm not going to be recording anything um, and I've got I'm shaping up some uh, ideas for a new season of the podcast to start recording in the autumn which will be a little bit different I also would like to reflect actually a little bit on the conversations I have had this year on the podcast Um and what those conversations, some of the things that have come up in those conversations, how I've been holding, carrying some of those threads from the guests that I've been chatting with, why I think they might be um, useful uh, threads to to explore in this moment in time that we find ourselves in. Um... So I'd like to talk about those. And in some ways, this episode is also a opportunity for me to try and speak from the heart, to try and really speak more through my heart intelligence, which is something that I am really interested in uh, tuning into and working from now more and more as things unravel more and more in the constructed reality. Um, so, yeah, so if if you're new to the podcast, uh, welcome. Um, this might be a slightly different to what you're expecting. Um, if you are a regular listener, then again... Um, you know, I um, hope you might find something in this uh, this um, heart heart centered ramble in the woods that I'm going to um, that I'm recording here. Um, and likewise, you know, it's fine if this stuff doesn't connect with you. I'm actually really doing this um, for me because ultimately, you know, um, why not? It's my podcast. <laughs> It's just, 
Um, I'm doing this because, yeah, I want to honour um, some shifts that are going on for me. Um, so paying, yeah, paying attention to that and to these uh, conversations over the last year and um, also recognising what I recognise as I record these conversations, put them out, move on. And I realise when I go back to them or people reach out and they tell me about something, you know, that they really, um, you know, they've really connected with in a conversation. And I realise that there is, there's a lot of fertiliser in, in, in these conversations. Um, and, um, and um, insight. And so, yeah, I wanted to just sort of... Um, I think sometimes, you know, I quite like to to do a bit more of that after the conversations I've been having, you know, to sort of pull out the pull out the threads. But often when you do these things, um, on your on your on your own, um with um with very little uh resource, um you just keep moving with them. Um so yeah, I wanted to sort of pull out some of the things that I feel have been quite um that have stood out for me in some of these conversations and particularly things that I think might be quite useful um, uh, in these times we are in. So there you go. That's that's about eight minutes I've been rambling about what this is all about and I haven't really gone anywhere yet. Um, so I want to give a little bit of context Um of not of where I am because I'm told you I'm in I'm in this wood. It's very nice that the sun is just dappling through these very very beautiful leafy vibes um, onto the forest floor where I'm sat with a lot of decay, a lot of decaying leaves and wood and twigs and moss and branches and um. And I have, this July, spent a lot of time sitting in, um, in a more than human context, more than human environments, um, a lot more than I, than I usually do. And, I, and actually for a lot of July, I've had a real, um, you know, nearly sort of three weeks, which is very rare for me. Um, that I really sort of quite spontaneously and serendipitously, I think that's how you say it, um, some opportunities came up um, for me to do some um, some deeper learning on myself, um, which I have been really, really uh, seeking for some time. Um, some space to really sort of stop and pause and um yeah tune in on tune in to what is going on within me around me um and where and how i am showing up and how i'm using my energy and voice in these times um and two things came up which i'm going to tell you a little bit about because they're relevant to well they just they are very relevant and they're very relevant to this podcast and where it's heading and to the work that I do in the world and to this time I find myself in. So um, two things came up. The first thing that came up was 
an opportunity to do a vision quest. Now, I'm not going to go into a huge amount of detail, but um, a vision quest is a rites of passage, really. Um, the quest that I took part in was um, informed um, quite heavily by uh, some Native American um, traditions. Um, but of Essentially, I spent, um, I went away for 10 days and of those 10 days, I spent four days and four nights out. I don't like calling it in nature because we are nature, but out in a, let's say, a more than human context, a wild environment. Um, it was actually um, sort of sort of between a forest and some meadows at the foot of some mountains in North Wales. And I spent four days and four nights on my own fasting with no food no technology with a tarp and a bivy bag and it's something I've been trying to do for some years and every time the opportunities come up something has happened which hasn't enabled me to to, to take to leave home and, and do the time to do it anyway uh, the opportunity came up and you spend a couple of days prepping and then you do the quest and you come back and you do a couple of days of integration and and work and um, I can't I'm not going to tell you about what happened because in this particular approach we are um, we were recommended advised to um, hold on to our story of what happened to us during those four days four nights for a year and let the let it all cook before we share um, but I can tell you a little bit about some of the the context for it um, so I, I I did that and then I came back, and obviously when I was planning to do this, an opportunity came up to go and to go and do this quest. Just a bit before, I had come across a thing called kin-centric leadership. Um, now, I would unpack that. In my words, kin-centric leadership would mean this idea that we are part of a wide web of of life, human and more than human. And to be concentric is to, 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 to strive to be in relationship with all of that life, to put all of that life, to see, to view all life as, as sentient. Uh, you know, everything has, has an aliveness, has soul, is animate, let's say. Um, so the human sort of supremacy is dissolved. We see ourselves, we put ourselves into this idea of, of a of of a much more mysterious uh, realm of reality. Um, so how do we how do we um, put our relationship to all life at the centre of how we go about evolving, leading, organising, designing in this world? I came across this um, this invitation to be become part of a concentric leadership co learning process over eighteen months, which was being um, um, convened by two amazing humans, Justine and Anna, um, and so I applied. I put. An, I thought I'm gonna. You know, I'm often. I'm. I'm doing a lot of sort of guiding and holding, and uh, in my work, and every few years I try and deepen my own learning so that I'm also able to, um, you know, resource myself and be in community of other sort of learners that are holding and guiding and. Um, 
and I can bring that back into my work. So I th- I applied for this this place and I was um, offered a place. Um, and it's an 18-month journey. And the journey, it's 80 people from around the world. Um, um, and it starts with uh, a week-long retreat, two in Europe, one in the US, one in Asia. And I was granted a place in one of the retreats in Europe, which happened to be in Devon. And the retreat was themed um, listening with the more than human world, seven days. So I came off the vision quest. I went home for two days. I saw my family and then I went on this. I barked, headed off down to Devon and embarked on this week-long retreat on concentric leadership and, and a whole lot of stuff going on in that which again I'm not going to speak to fully but it was um, profound and um, um, yeah and so again a lot of time um, exploring a deeper form of listening how we can sort of listen to the world around us in ways beyond just our ears like how can we tap into a, a much more complex level of intelligence and knowing the world and knowing life around us and our place within it all so that also involves spending a lot of time communing with plants and beings and animals and trees and rivers and so i've had this kind of like um this big chunk of july that has been um that has involved um in many ways being in communion um with 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 a more than human world i haven't i've had less human interaction than i've had for a long time um and i've learned so much so much about myself about the world around me i've managed to process a lot of stuff a lot of stuff that's been quite um difficult and stuff that i've been carrying for a long time that is um not been serving me so well and those around me um and i have experienced again what i have always known what i've always felt in my heart in my body of the intelligence of this world this living world that we're part of and just how unbelievably restricted and shallow our sense of modern reality is and how limiting it is and how destructive it is to our souls. Um, yeah. I have come back from this time, uh, this time that I've had, um, where I have been really held and welcomed and by a more than human world by the living world and I've received all kinds of gifts and intelligence and insight and care from all kinds of creatures and beings and energies and dare I say it spirits um, and I feel like I've kind of always felt that but the culture that I have been brought up in and programmed in obviously you know you know really runs away from any of that 
but actually the more you start to look at um seeing the world as a as a you know seeing the world as alive seeing everything as alive the more you realize that you know pretty much for 90 odd i don't know what it is but most of our existence as as a human species we've always seen the world that way in every culture in every tradition in every part of this planet we've always seen the world as mysterious sentient alive it's only really in the last you know in deep time the you know the last few hundred years which is a sort of cosmic wing flap that we've 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 limited the world to this kind of you know rational logical empirical you know controlling view of head centered sense of what is real so we've been living in this kind of much more um one dimensional i would argue reality for a tiny amount of time tiny amount of our existence so yeah it's just been sort of it's really interesting for me because when you look out now into this moment as i as i have been sort of um slowly doing as i've as i've returned back from the um into the sort of constructed human centered world um we're kind of living in sort of peak don't look up um and if you've seen the film don't look up, but it feels like that's what we're living in sort of peak don't look up but it's just so surreal when you look into what is you know if you look into say inverted commas you know mainstream reality consensus reality you know what politics and media and corporate culture tells us of how to live it's bordering on as far as i can tell it's just insanity right because the the living world is unraveling at speed um you know we see it manifested in all of these extreme climate events that are happening you know now on western doorsteps everywhere and yet the discourse in that in the you know in the sort of the power structures and the, the media and stuff just still tells us to to ignore it or to deny it or to keep you know economically growing our way out of it and it's just this sort of it's 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 this bizarre i mean it's so uncomfortable i find it so un it's so surreal and i'm often wondering like you know surely more people are starting to question this We live on a life-giving rock called Earth, hurtling through space. How bonkers is that? You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast. It seems to me that, you know, media and corporate culture and politics are so far behind the curve of what people are actually experiencing and witnessing. You know, the, the, the dialogue of, of stuff is just so... Well, it just feels pathological most of the time. That's how I see it anyway. Maybe that's just me. So, but it's really tough. I don't know what it's like for you. I find it really difficult, particularly how to speak, how to speak to this time in my everyday. You know, what's as a father, as a partner, as a friend, neighbours, you know, it's still, I find, very difficult to speak, to speak from the heart, 
speak from the heart about what is happening, you know? To just speak to the mess of it all. The sadness of it all. Because the head wants to, you know, the the, the, the words come up into the brain and they want to sort of, you know, that the, the thing to make sense, to make sense of it. Because that's the only way, you know, really... I'm seeing that this modern culture, the only real sense it tries to go to is the making sense, but, you know, it has to try and make sense of it all. Can't compute that, you know, this reality might be falling apart. And of course, as I sit here in the wood and I'm looking at the falling apart that's happening, you know, the decay and the, and the breakdown that's happening you know, all around me as life is happening, there's growth and there's, there's um, decay, there is composting, there is, you know, new life emerging and, and life breaking down. There are trees dying and leaning on, you know, other trees that are growing into the, into the heights of the wood. There is, there is this kind of community of life of, 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 you know, the, 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 the collapse of old and the the emerging of new and there is no kind of hiding or denying of that reality it's just how life works and there is actually real beauty in all of that all of that aliveness But I, I look out and I think sometimes like, you know, you know, I don't want to get into the science because I trust the science. I trust the scientists, what they're saying. And I know that, you know, many, many scientists are heads in their hands. And there's a lot of talk at the moment about this, you know, the intensity of change. That, you know, all the all the predictions are coming true. Everything is playing out exactly as been predicted, but the intensity of the climatic shifts of what's happening in the ocean, what the, of, of fires, of winds, of floods, the intensity is surprising scientists greatly. And of course, you know, we've put so much energy into the atmosphere. We're burning so much energy that sits under our inverted commas normal way of life our way of life this kind of whole civilization that's just built on speed and extraction and materials and energy and more and more and more and more and more the energy that goes into the atmosphere to sustain that story of more is so insanely extreme that it's um, accelerating the intensity of 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 the breakdown and of course all of the more than human world all of these ecosystems all of this biodiversity I don't like using these words either because they sort of again other everything but that have become the materials you know for this for this civilization for this culture you know everything we desire has come from the earth it's been extracted somehow you know, it's been built on extraction and death of materials and creatures and beings and, 
it's been put through the hands of, of humans who are suffering and being exploited to create these sense of beauty and modernity and progress. You know, it's not just a story of carbon. It's a story of more. All of this stuff is interconnected, you know. Um, and so this stuff is playing out. It's playing out everywhere. Um, and I, I, the paradox, the, the tension of that, of how to hold um, some joy and how to hold that and how to hold the possibility, which, again, I see so much possibility going on on the ground but it's overwhelming at times to to see where you know where the meaningful shifts will come from and yeah and I wanted to talk a little bit about um, grief um, and hopelessness um, and there was um, there was uh, on the concentric uh, retreat that I went on we had a um, an amazing guest who joined us uh, on one of the days Chokasin Ghost Horse, who is a Lakota. I'm not sure he'd like me to use the word elder. Um, but let's say a wise older man. <laughs> um, he, he said a lot. Um, he said, we need hopelessness to do what is required. We need hopelessness to do what is required. The heart is not hoping. It does what is required for life. That really um, landed in me. And I wanted to just talk a bit about grief. And I can see that grief is being spoken to a lot. There was some great posts. I saw something this week. I can't remember who said it, but something like, um, you know, grief is the way through or something like that. And um, I think this comes to the whole endings and decaying and rotting and composting. And it seems to me at least a kind of, a yeah, again, just a fear of, of grief. Um, but it's like my experience with grief is it's another sort of integral part of being alive. Like it's an expression of love grief. So when you ref don't allow yourself to grieve, whether that's for loss, right? So grief, we could say grief is loss. Now that can be a loss of life of someone dear to us, but it can be a loss you know, at the moment, what I think the grief that a lot of us are experiencing and carrying is that, you know, there's a loss of so much. There's a loss of a, there's a loss of the more than human world of other species and other beings that are, all, you know, that are rapidly disappearing. Um, a breakdown of these beautiful places and ecosystems and 
Um, there's the loss of identities, of stories, of futures that we thought we might have. Um, and obviously this brings up lots of fear for people as well and lots of anger. And, and I think a lot of this anger and violence and fear and everything, I think so much of it is, is entangled with grief and an inability to grieve, an inability to really face into the love and the loss of that love that we have in us and what we're experiencing. So what does that look like when we suppress our ability to express our love? Our love for life. We are not able to face into it, to allow it to move through us. What's that doing? And my own little tiny experience of all of this is that what I'm witnessing when I'm working with my own grief um, and, you know, both, you know, as we say in, in, in the Becoming Crew work, working in community, you know, involving ourselves in community and that may well be a community of other fellow humans, but it's also the community, the more than human community when, you know, how to open ourselves up to this more than human world and to grieve. There's a lot of power and possibility through that when we open ourselves up to others, when we witness others in their grief and their loss. And it's an, it's an expression of love. That's where I keep coming back to. It's an expression of love and we're suppressing that. And that's manifesting through confusion and fear and anger and violence. And so grief becomes a vital thing to work with. And, and, and again, what I'm experiencing in my own life and in the communities of practice that I'm working with, that possibility comes through grief. It doesn't say there's not, it doesn't say that pain goes away or, but when we work with grief and we witness it and we acknowledge it for what it is, which is a vital, vital part of being human. It's a vital part of our, again, the pattern and rhythm of life to let go, to, to witness our pain and the love back to the love, our love for life, our love for life for all beings, for each other. When we, when we make space for that, when we don't shy away from it, when we support each other to, to express that grief, to move through it, to, to witness each other, then we can move through. We can move through to new ways of being, new ways of relating to ourselves to each other to this more than human world and that's where the seeds of new cultures of life-sustaining cultures come you know there's a lot of talk about regeneration and regenerative and what i see a lot is a lot of wanting to jump into the the new of it all you know the birthing the new birthing the new but they and growing 
But we have to tend to the dying, to the ending, to the breaking down, to the decaying, to the composting. We need to prepare the soil for new beginnings because we cannot create the conditions for strong roots, for strong life-sustaining cultures to really take root. We've got to pay attention to sitting with the, the mess of these times, you know, and end things well. Through that comes possibility, comes less fear, comes an opening up and a letting go. It's a natural cycle. Birth, death, renewal, like this wood, birth and death. I feel personally there is no other way. I've spent nearly two decades of my working life um, being more in that sort of mode of of um, what I would call, you know, communicating the need for change, you know, campaigns, mobilizing, trying to sort of thinking, well, if you can just, you know, if we just t talk about this stuff more, if people understand more what, what's going on, then things will shift. And I think for many, many years, I've kind of known again in my heart, it's never going to work because we have to feel, feel our way through this. We can't just talk about it or think it. We have to feel our way through it. And while talking and communicating is useful and necessary, it it doesn't, um, it's limited. Limited keeps us locked in a way of being, in a way of relating that is disconnected, really. Um, so, yeah, so I sort of feel that, um, where am I going with this? We're all needed. I think we're in a time now where our, t our attention to what is going on is, is so needed, you know. It's very easy in this culture just to, you know, we're so distracted, you know, and it's not really our fault half the time. And we're, we're sort of plugged into these systems that just grab our attention. Um, but we need our attention now. We need our attention we need to, 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 to become aware of how, of where we're putting our attention and what we're not seeing or listening to. Yeah, our collective attention, our participation. It's what we talk about in the spirit of becoming crew, of participating, of stepping into service, of serving life now, of finding our unique place in this vast web of intelligent life and what is being called for in these times in the great the great unraveling as Joanna Macy said and the great turning moving towards life sustaining cultures we we are we are needed like this is not going to happen without without more and more of us stepping in you know the political structures and, and systems I can speak to in in this country. Then, then the, the, this is not coming from the top down. This is not coming from the top down. And we can't wait. These systems are so off, so far off the curve of where I think more and more people are finding themselves, but also where we where we need to move. We don't know what what you know what will emerge what kind of political systems will emerge 
from this great unraveling, this decaying. This, but what we do know is that people need to be at the centre of them. And that will come by um, more of us stepping in, stepping in, starting to create these new, these new realities with life at the centre and the places where we live. Um, there's so much to do, you know. I mean, on the grief thing, how do we, how might we help more people step into that, start to process the, this, this great loss, this great loss of, of love, this pain that we need to work with in order to, in order to seed new possibilities. How do we work with our young? How do we work with, there's so many of us that are going to need, um, support networks encouragement new behaviors new ways of relating and of course there are many many brilliant things going on all around you know these things are happening these practices are happening but we need more of us to connect with them and and, and bring them into our own lives we've got exponential shifts in climate coming right we're seeing this intensity now so there's this unpredictability of tipping points you know, this civilization, this modernity was built on predictable weather and floods and floods of fossil fuels. You know, we've been sort of inebriated on fossil fuels and we have to design new cultures with neither of those things. Right. We've got to we've got to we've got to create new cultures in with unpredictable weather um, and climate, which, you know, when you think of food, just just consider that we've built food systems on predictable weather and now we're having to somehow build resilient food systems with extreme weather and unpredictability so it means we're going to have to get really comfortable with uncertainty if you understood if we understood that we're living in this age of you know massively unpredictable extreme climate um and where we had to be incredibly um mindful of energy use particularly um fossil fuel energy um, you just wouldn't be designing systems uh, like our current economic systems. I mean, it'd just be insanity if you go with it. Well, those are the conditions. You just would not be pursuing these systems that our politicians and corporations and media keep um, wanting to uh, head into the future with. I mean, a child, if you if you showed, showed a child that, if you said, look, here we go, this is the context that we're in. Um, massively unpredictable climate for the, the foreseeable future and uh, um, a need to really, really be very mindful about um, the burning of any fossil fuels and very particular how we use it. Uh, what's, what's the economic system that we would build? And, you know, children would tell you we're not this one. I mean, that's, it's that level of insanity um, that we are, you know, just sort of unhinged from reality that are... Our leaders uh, seem to be uh, um, rooted in. You've got to build cooperative, community-led, connected, diverse ways of, of living. You need to put the well-being of all life at the centre. You're listening to the Spaceship Earth podcast. With my dad, Dan Burgess. 
I mean, it's a collective hallucination, some kind of pathological madness called progress to keep going with these insane, extractive, destructive ways of being. And I think where I've got to again in this month and this year and the work I've been doing with um, with the stories work, with the, the remix, which has just finished, it's a three-month learning journey we've just been on, looking at stories in our culture at a relational level, how the stories, how stories determine, you know, the structures and systems and the ways of life. But actually, stories are informed by their relational, the ways we relate to the earth, the ways we relate to each other, the ways we relate to ourselves. They're all... They inform the kind of stories that we we carry, um, and you know we are. This breakdown is a breakdown in our understanding of life, of our deep interdependence, of of the fact that we are relational beings in relation with all manner of life. This massive disconnection from from our modern human world, which supports human life, everything we do. Um, we've got to put our relationship with life back at the centre. So yeah, that was quite a long ramble, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know if you were there with me. It felt good just to sort of talk about that stuff. So thinking about the podcast, this po- the podcast this year, as I say, I was um, life did its thing and meant that um there was less uh i recorded less uh less conversations this year um to date and that's fine but i wanted just to talk about a couple of um a couple of learnings from some of the episodes this year so there was an episode with um uh fergal smith the regenerative farmer surfer from the west of Ireland um, and um, there was a thing that's, that's uh, I think one of the big takeouts of the conversation with Fergal which I think is really relevant for this moment is this idea of inputs he talks constantly of this you know striving to minimising inputs this kind of way of thinking about farming in this regenerative mindset which is kind of like how much stuff am i bringing onto this land in order to 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 farm it you know and that might be you know for him it would be you know what am i bringing on uh, am i bringing on feed for animals am i bringing on fuel um for machinery uh, am i bringing on chemicals and pesticide um what things am i am i bringing on compost and you know what what inputs are are required here? And this idea of inputs, and actually this idea of like, how do I? Is it possible to get to a point where you're literally, or even to a point where you you have no inputs, where the land itself is generating everything it needs to, for it to, for life to coexist in a healthy way. And that's a really interesting analogy for us to think about at this time as modern humans living in this modern civilization. If you think about it, like what are the inputs required to sustain this way of life? Once you start to think of that, you start to think of like a business. What is it that a business is taking as inputs to do what it does? Um, what does it take to be um, to live? You know, what what is um, what kind of inputs 
are we um you know seeking on a daily weekly monthly yearly basis to live our lives what does the culture um you know what's the culture communicating to us what's it asking of us in terms of the inputs that we should be seeking to exist and once you start looking at it it's so insanely extreme um and again you start to understand why this this story of modernity is is mad it's insane it's just a story of more but everything is about maximizing everything is about more that's what the culture and the society and the systems are, are designed to try and encourage us to do, to seek more, more inputs. It's a really interesting um, thought experiment to, to, to think about the inputs that you, and again, I'm not stripping this down to the individual or blaming the individual because the system is based on, you know, extreme input, extreme input culture. But, um, but it's it's a good thought experiment as well, thinking about what are the inputs that you you are having to bring into your life on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis to sustain yourself. So, yeah, thanks for that one, Fergal. Inputs, it's a good one for us to think. What's your inputs? Um, then there was Love Sega, uh, who I've really enjoyed chatting with um is a musician and artist from south london um and i think there's lots of things sega does he's a very inspirational human being but one of the things i really took out from the conversation with him was this idea of um how he's bringing kind of artistry into really complex social and ecological contexts you know he's 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 been digging into you know, naughty stuff like toxic air pollution in cities and how it impacts, you know, marginalised communities, people of colour. And thinking of how to, you know, it's a political thing and it's going on right now at the moment in this country and kicking off with like, you know, how entitled some folks are about their ability to drive their cars around, polluting the air for the younger generations. But... um but Sega sort of bringing this artistry into these complex situations, these political situations. And it made me think again about this. Um, well, one is like, you know, what we say in Becoming Crew, this idea of, 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 you know, what does it mean to, to practice a profession? How do I, how do I bring this crew mentality? How do I participate in the, you know, bringing life back to the whole, not just my own individual, you know, success, but how can I through my work, um, seek to bring some healing bring something to the whole bring to serve life through through some of that and that's what sega's doing with his work but it makes me think again this time of you know we desperately need more artists and culture to really step in right now not just to halt the destruction of our living world but to begin to reimagine help people reimagine and create these new life-sustaining cultures you know politics needs art and culture and ecology and more than human perspectives as well as real people in real places. That's got to be a part of a new way of being. When we bring these elements together, we start to imagine a different type of politics that can be quite exciting. That's what uh, one of my big takeouts with uh, Sega was. Uh, there was Dougald Hine, um, who 
talked about his book at work in the ruins he's a um, really extraordinary um thinker and um there was a lot in the conversation from Dougald. Uh, again, he uh, spoke a lot to endings. Um, he also talked about this idea of like, you know, what is it that we want to, like, again, sort of paying attention to a lot of the stuff that we have been told is essential for life. Like, what, what is that? What do we actually want to keep from this modernity culture? Like, what what is actually worth holding on to? Um and what is worth letting go of. And also maybe looking back to some of the things that we've dismissed. What do we want to take back from the past that we just sort of gave up because we were told it's just, you know, it's not part of the story of progress. So this idea of like, what do we, what, do we, what is worth holding on to? What might we want to reclaim? That really, really, really um, landed. Um, again, you know, um, I think about my, Four, four days and four nights in the woods and I received so much I had no food I had no technology I learned a lot about myself that I haven't learned in a long long time I received a lot from all kinds of beings um, I'm not saying it was all fun and games, it was quite challenging but I guess what I'm saying is that you know there's a lot more going on out there there are a lot of other things going on that we're not quite aware of but that we can be aware of because we could all tune in. It's all it's all possible. We can tune into this more magical world. We don't need a lot of this shit we're being told we need. Honestly. Um anyway, um that's just my little little thought there. Um then there was Paul Powsland. Paul Powsland, the lawyer, um, who is a river guardian and a protector of trees and all round just this most extraordinary human being. And he's using his his legal profession and his talent to to try and make changes from within, you know, as well as, um, you know, to try and look at how his profession is, you know, the role it plays in, in, in um, upholding destructive, divisive, extractive systems and behaviors um you know and trying to find ways to speak to that as well as you know then just being this extraordinary um crew member on spaceship earth who's just you know guarding um the river roading and supporting and helping communities uh, protect trees and all kinds of stuff um and really just bringing that sacredness spirit back um so yeah for paul for me it's like this idea of like you know there are many of us in professions and what does it mean to be in a profession a time where the world is unraveling where the climate is breaking down where um we desperately need more people to step in and serve serve life and i think paul um invites us more of us to, to consider our profession and think, well, what can I be doing? What could I, my profession be doing here to halt the destruction, to accelerate the shifts to culture, a culture that puts life at the centre, that understands that life is sacred? Um, that's what I take out from Paul. And he had this lovely piece on um, sort of becoming indigenous and this idea of like, you know, talking about the these islands in Britain, for example, where he is and where I am and many of us are, but 
that it's not about where you're from, but it's about do you love the place you're in? Do you love it? Do you protect it? Do you want to steward it and guardianship it? Do you want to, do you love it? And that this idea of um, indigeneity, maybe it's a verb, not a noun. And I love that. And a completely different form of what it is to be, of patriotism is actually to be a, a lover of life, of the lands and the rivers and the creatures and the beings and the communities and the places and to really, really start to, to serve that, to step into that, that mode of being. So thank you, Paul, for that. Um, Bio Akamalafe. Wow. Well, Bio uh, has been someone who has made so much impact um, to me since I discovered his work. And I was really chuffed when he came and had a conversation with me on the podcast this year. Um, and he also joined us on the remix as one of our special guests. And yeah, just... I mean, he, again, just this extraordinary mind and a generosity and um, just a beautiful way of being. Um, and he just gives so much. Um, but yeah, he talked about the de the ant death spiral of modernity, this idea that we're just locked, we're trapped in this death spiral, like, like, like ants become, they get stuck and they just go round and round and round and round and round until they just, you know, die. And, um, he sort of uses that as kind of metaphor for the stuckness that we're in in this in this sort of modern culture. We just doesn't seem to matter what what we're told is happening or what we can see is happening. We just keep going. We're stuck. Um, this pheromone trail that keeps us locked onto the highway of destruction, and that you know we're being called and invited to travel into the cracks that are that are appearing around us what does that look like to form different type of politics around the cracks and the the darker weirder places that we might be being drawn to and you know he also articulated really beautifully this relational crisis that we're in you know the the climate crisis is a relational crisis it's due to a, a way of relating to the world um, and he talked about um, the need to repair as in to pair again to find new relationships to relate in new ways with new bodies moving towards the practice or the um, stepping into the bewilderment of these times. Cracks and bewilderment. What does it mean to, what would it mean if we, we moved into that? What might emerge? He also said a lot of other really amazing stuff that I can't remember, but um, thank you, Bio. Then it was Iski Britton, who Iski, I'm a huge fan of. She's been on the pod. That's the third time Iski's been on the podcast. And she was talking about her new book, Ebb and Flow. Um, and I think particularly, I think in in the conversation, but also in the book, Iski's very much, I think, 
drawing our attention towards the ebb um, that these times um, to move away again from the sort of the manic kind of like looking for flow all the time um, you know the sort of again the sort of high the up the light of flow but moving into the 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 slowing down the the breaking down the dark of of ebb the grief and that again that that is um essential it's an essential part of life without embracing and stepping into and immersing ourselves and you know being attentive to the grief the breakdown the decay the slowing down that we cannot um cultivate the capacity for for life they're, they're both needed um and also about bringing bringing this kind of sacred practice and these kind of sacred stories back to life in the waters around us and that you know we might see all of this devastation and this pollution in the wild waters of of the earth now and the ocean and and that can be overwhelming it exists but what what about now if we decide to step into this new relationships with water with water within us and around us and we begin to bring this this sacredness back that was again was always there <laughs> was always there in the uh the 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 uh for the massive majority of humans existence on this earth we've had a sacred relation to water but again in the kind of cosmic wing, wing flap of the last few few hundred years of of industrialism and the separation story and uh you know colonialism and capitalism and neoliberalism and all the isms we've we've suddenly just destroyed that that sacred relationship but actually we're talking about a few minutes in earth time so maybe we can step into this idea of being deep time beings now and we it's our it's our this is our time to start to bring that sacredness back to the waters around us and he's invited us to even say you know where where is your water where is your water do you know that water near you maybe it's a pond maybe it's a stream maybe it's a river maybe it's a coastline but finding that water again you know and starting to build that relationship with it so yeah there's going to be a load more conversations and episodes from the podcast coming in the autumn as i get going again um and also i am working on and i hope to start recording in the autumn a really special mini series which is going to be exploring radical kinship with all life featuring guests and experiences that can help us widen our consciousness and connection with all life that can support how we might move back as collectives and communities into relationship with this animate sentient mysterious creative diverse living world beyond just the modern human reality and all the possibilities that might open up to us to live more from the heart intelligence with more awe and connection and how that might help us move through 
these unraveling times in greater community and in cooperation with all life. So that's the podcast updates. And thank you to all my guests and contributors and all the folks that help me make and create this podcast and for all of you who listen to it. So yeah, here's the thing. What if the antidote to all the fear and breakdown is to let go of the spell of individualism, of the separate self? You are not alone. You never have been. You have more non-human bacteria in your body than human bacteria, for starters. We are, each of us, a diverse melting vessel of interspecies becoming. The world we have not made is ready to offer us so much if we also are ready to give and to receive, to move into a practice of reciprocity. We can decide with intention to move into a more beautiful, expansive relationship with a vast community of life, human and more than human. And this way of being, of relating, is informing everything we are doing with Becoming Crew. These experiences that help us evolve ourselves um, together in community, in crews of fellow humans and more than humans. And we'll be offering um, new unlearning adventures in the autumn. Uh, the community solo will be back. Uh, what's yours to do for teams in business and organizations is ready to go. And the Remix 2024 will also be um, uh, announced. Um, and you can check all of that out um, either off the spaceship.earth website or just go direct to um, becomingcrew.com forward slash adventures. So with that, as the wind picks up, been tuning in to the wind a lot of late. The wind is um, is um, definitely becoming kin. Um, so with that, I hope uh, I hope you're able to get some rest in the coming month uh, and ready yourself for um, stepping into service in the autumn. We are all so needed. Um, for the sake of this earth, of our future ancestors and all living beings. So, thank you for listening uh, and for your support. Um, do reach out with anything that's come up for you, any questions, thoughts, feedback, we'd love to hear from you. So, with that, remember to look after yourself, to connect with those around you, and to keep entangling yourself with your more than human family in the places you call home.
Until next time, peace and out. If you've appreciated listening to this podcast, would you consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a rating or review via your podcast provider? It helps more people to find us and we'd be most grateful. This podcast is created in service to life for you. It takes time, funds and energy to make. If you'd like to contribute to the running costs, you can donate the price of a cuppa or a pint. Find the link on our website. This podcast wouldn't exist without the following crew. Charlie Shred, Audio Jedi. Seaman Home Burgess, Engine Room. Willow Burgess, Jingles. Jingles.